This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Better together. How many of you have gotten it through your head that we are better together? Who has ever been successful going it alone? Eh, not long, right? Sometimes we feel like we are. Why? Because we don't have to depend on anybody else. We don't have to be let down. We, we come up with all these reasons and excuses. But the reality is, in the long run, we are better together than we are individually. Uh, quick wrap-up from the last few weeks as we conclude this series. God's a relational God, and you are a relational being. You need relationship. It's an important part of your life. All of us need friends. All of us probably have friends. Are they the right friends? How many of you would agree that there have been friends in your lives at times? that probably didn't need to be in your life because they read, led you down maybe the wrong path. You found your attitude changing and different things like that. Well, the thing I've mentioned every week, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You are the average of your five closest friends. In every area, financial, attitude, spiritual focus, whatever it may be. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he said in Proverbs 13, 20, it's the verse we've used every week, whoever walks with the wise becomes what? wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. So first week I gave you two things. What can we do to foster and develop godly friendships that the Lord desires from us? We talked about firstly being present. There is power in presence, not just a phone call, not just a text message, but being there. People don't forget that. And secondly was being open, opening up, getting transparent, being real, because we can impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weakness. Amen? Week two, we talked about relational poverty. How our society today, and many of us, deal with relational poverty. You can be in a crowd of thousands and be utterly alone. But the fact of the matter is, God wants you to have friendships and relationships. And you could be one friend away from changing the entire course of your life. I gave you three types, of friend, every, three types of friends every person needs. The friend that makes you a better person. If you want to be a better leader, a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, better in business, better in finance, whatever it may be, you need to be around people that make you better. Number two, we need a friend that helps us find spiritual strength. Everybody, doesn't matter how mature they are in the Lord, everybody at some point deals with temptation, deals with uh, discouragement. And when things get tough, we need those people around us to help us find strength in the Lord, to point us in the right direction. And, then, and number three, to speak the truth. We need the friend that speaks the truth, regardless of whether we like it or not. Because we could be one friend away from changing the course and the direction of our life. Last week, um, we talked about community, and we introduced our community groups uh, for this semester. You may be one community away from changing the course of your life. I give you three qualities of life-giving community. One, said the door is always open. This is a community of friends that may not, that may not be a blood relation, but they can come to you and they can be comfortable and they can be at home. You're not panicking when they show up in trouble trying to can't let them in the door until you hurry up and get the house in order. No, you're transparent and real. This is who we are. Secondly, this type of life-giving community recognizes that all are flawed. You're type of this, part of this type of community, you know and accept that nobody's got it all down pat. We're working this thing out. We all have flaws. I'm going to mess it up. You're going to mess it up. So can we accept that fact and move forward? Jesus accepted us right where we're at. Amen? Can we do the same for others? 
That's part of a life-giving community. Last thing I gave you last week, number three, a life-giving community fights for one another. We read 1 Peter 5, 8. Many of you know this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And if you remember the video, the buffaloes and the lions. You had the lions there trying to take out the baby buffalo. But here comes the herd of buffalo that fights for that young one. So we're going to conclude, like I said, this is week four. We're going to conclude this series. You may notice in your service guide, there's a note sheet there. You can follow along on it. You can fill in the blanks. We also have the uh, YouVersion Bible app. You can follow along. All the notes are listed in there as well. So we've accomplished the fact, we recognize the fact that we need one another. And it's not just that. Others need us. So what happens when we recognize that we have some of the wrong relationships in our life? The wrong types of friends. Maybe you recognize that you're part of the wrong type of community. It's not a community that builds you up and strengthens you in the Lord. You find yourself actually being dragged down, being dragged backwards. How many of you have been there before? So what do you do in this moment? Well, if we go back to social media for just a moment, what do you do with that person who keeps making comments on your Facebook wall that tick you off? Unfriend them. You can click one button, bam, they're unfriended. <laughs> Who's done it before? Yeah, yeah, me too. I actually, to try to not stir up trouble, have found that I like the unfollow button better. You can hit unfollow and you just never see their stuff again and, and they don't get, they don't know that you've, you know, kind of broken that off. It's, it's kind of nice. I imagine it's going to happen a lot more as uh, we're seeing election season picking up steam. <laughs> going to be hitting a lot of uh, unfollows along here. But I was thinking about this. The fact that we can, with one click of a button, unfriend someone. What does that say? I think it further solidifies what we talked about before, the fact that these are not genuine relationships. This is not what God intended. These are not actual genuine friendships if we can click a button and it's over. Now, that is what our society likes to do. People abandon their family every day. But this isn't what God intends. Obviously, again, with your family, I hope you don't do that. I hope when they tick you off, you don't jump ship. But we may have relationships in our lives right now that aren't healthy. So do we just unfriend? We say, you know, see ya. I'm friends with Jesus now. <laughs> How many of you, when you were younger, maybe you, were, you grew up in the church and when you were younger, and I, I'm thinking of guys. How many of you guys ever had a girl say to you, well, we need to take a break because I'm dating Jesus now. So you don't care about dating Jesus. What a load. That's an unfriend right there. Hey, guys. We don't ever see Jesus defriending anyone. Ever. 
especially in the social media sense. But here's what I find about Jesus as you look at him and the relationships in his life. Jesus' relationships were clearly defined. And we'll talk more about that. But the whole idea, and, and really the point of today is, maybe there's some relationships in your life that need to be redefined. As followers of Christ, I think that we need to, every now and then, we need to re-examine those relationships. We need to re-examine the friendships and, and those that are close to us uh, because we need to make sure we stay on the right path because if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future, right? And sometimes somebody kind of slips in there and kind of becomes this friend and we, after a little while, recognize they're not the best influence. They're not quite what we had pictured them to be initially. So... We've established, if you hang out with the wise, you become wise. If you hang out with idiots, you become more of an idiot. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, more than likely, the times when you got in trouble in your life, you probably weren't alone. How many of you can think of a moment in your life? I was trying to debate on whether I should tell a story or not. My parents will remember my junior year in the remote control story. And my mom's like, how many of you, um, if, you if you're my age or, or younger, how many of you know that a lot of schools have Channel One? Comes on during homeroom, comes on, it's a news program for, um, for uh, in junior high and high schools. And uh, keep, you know, young people up to date on what's going on in the news. And any, any of you young people familiar with that? You have Channel One or had Channel One in your school? Yeah, a bunch, okay. Our school was a test school for the Channel One system. So all the TVs and everything got donated. TV was put in every room. And... Uh, and every morning during homeroom at a certain time, the TVs would automatically come on, ding, and Channel One would play, and everybody had to pay attention to the news. I had a guy sat next to me in homeroom after a few weeks, and he looked at that TV and goes, that's a Magnavox TV. I wonder, wonder if they have remote controls for those. And the guy next to him was like, yeah, I see the little remote sensor on it. And he says, well, I don't have a Magnavox TV. Anybody got a Magnavox remote? And I thought, we got a Magnavox TV at home. <laughs> so I'm thinking this out, and I'm thinking, you know, I could leave for school tomorrow. And, you know, Mom, she was a stay-at-home mom, and I thought, you know, I could just kind of slip it out. And remotes get lost all the time, you know. And it can just happen to appear when I get back home, you know. So on the way out to school, I grabbed the remote and took the school. And so we're sitting there in homeroom, and the guy's like, did you bring your remote? And I was like, yeah, I got the remote. I got the remote. And he, and, uh, but I was kind of scared. You know, I was like, I don't know if I want to mess with this. And, and he goes, let me see it. I was like, no. He said, let me see it. And I said, so I finally passed it to him and under the coat. And it was wintertime, so he, he puts it under his coat on his desk. And, and Channel 1 comes on. It starts, and bloop, it goes off. The teacher's like, and the teachers did not have remote, so she goes over and hits the button and turns it back on. Everything's good. And a minute later, it's like, boop, goes off. And we're all over here going. <laughs> so we left uh, that, that class, and, uh, and I was like, all right, i got to try this now. So we went to the next class in, uh, in first period, and so we're sitting in class, and, 
and uh, teacher's teaching, and I just hit the power button, TV comes on, static, you know, and, and I was like, oh, this is great. I did it, did it a couple more times and whatever, and so that next period, the guy that, one of the guys from my homeroom meets me in the hall and says, hey, let me see the remote. I want to try the next class, and I was like, oh, no, man. I was like, don't get us in trouble. He goes, no, no. So he takes it to the next class, pass it off, and he can get next class, and, uh, and anyway, after that class, he comes back, and we're, we're in English together for fourth period. He comes again, and he's still got the remote on him. He sits down, and, and she's teaching, and, and um, and right in the middle of class, he turns the TV on. And it's on a channel that's just static. And the teacher just looks at it. She turns it off. He hits it again. It comes back on. She turns it back off. And uh, it comes on again, and she tries to just ignore it and keep teaching. So he turns the volume all the way up. It's like, <laughs> And we're all just like, <laughs> And um, so um, I had study hall the next week. I had lunch and then study hall. So he kept the remote, and I went to lunch and went to study hall. Now, um, yes, study hall, I hated study hall because no one was allowed to talk or do anything. So I volunteered. I was an assistant in the library. Yes, I was one of those nerds. <laughs> and so I just helped with whatever needed to be done in the library during study hall time. So turns out the TVs were controlled by the librarians. The librarian comes up to me and says, Mr. Thomas, yeah, she goes, come help me with something for a minute. She goes, I've been getting calls all day about issues with the TVs. She says, so I've, I've got here a, a sheet of every class that this has happened in. Because I think maybe somebody's got a remote. I'm the one they're coming to for help. And so uh, she goes, so this homeroom, she goes, oh, Mr. Thomas, you're in that homeroom. I was like, oh, yes, I am. Yes. Did you notice trouble with the TVs? I was like, yes, ma'am, I did. Okay, uh, the next class, well, you're in the next class too. I was like, yes, ma'am. Yeah, it happened there too? I was like, yeah. She goes, okay, you're not in the next class. The fourth class, you're in that class too. I was like, they're all gone. Mm." And uh, so anyway, she's pulling out all the names of people that were in those classes that were in common together. Next thing I know, we're in the office. And now there's like four people involved. And the uh, principal says, whose remote is this? I was just like, it's my remote. And so he gave us the option between either having a suspension or getting paddled. As juniors in high school, we were like, well, paddle us. He's an old man. <laughs> How bad could it be? And he, had a, and he had a bathroom in his office, and so we, all of us all of a sudden had to go to the bathroom. It was like, oh, okay, we got to go to the bathroom. And so we're, we, we unrolled so many rolls of toilet paper. Dude, we, 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 pack, we packed it. And, uh, and so then he's like, all right, who's first? And so the cool guy says, ah, I'll do it. And so he takes him into the next room and shuts the door, and it's got one of those little windows in it, and we are all in that window, man. Like, <laughs> we're all looking. And he tell, we watch as he tells the guy, he's like, all right, um, grab the arms of that chair in front of you. Kid's like. And that old man, he pulls out a rod that's about this long. It wasn't a yardstick. It was about twice as wide and about twice as thick. And he picked it up, and we saw him pick it up like a baseball bat. And all of our legs started giving out. He was like. <laughs> and we all came out on our toes. Woo! You know. Um, <laughs> we get in trouble around the wrong people. 
think it was the only time I ever got in trouble in school. I actually got home. I was concerned about getting home, and then my parents laughed at me. <laughs> I'd never been in trouble and go and get paddled as a junior. So, Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully. Who in here is the righteous? The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. As I've mentioned before, many of our friendships, they happen by accident. We meet people. We work with them. You know, we go to school with them, whatever it may be. So many times we meet our friends by chance. But here's the thing, guys. We pursue those relationships on purpose. We pursue them intentionally. And that's what we've got to look at. Because we are the righteous. And says, if we are the righteous, then we choose our friends wisely. We choose them carefully. The way of the wicked, because the way of the wicked leads us astray. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So here's something I think is in your notes. It's not possible to live the right life when you have the wrong relationships. It's not possible to live the right life before God if you have the wrong relationships. It's almost impossible to live a God-honoring life if you're constantly around people who do not live God-honoring lives. Does this make sense? 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, we've heard this a hundred times, but you know what kind of caught my attention this time? Was the first four words. Do not be misled. He could have just said bad company corrupts good morals, good character. Sounds like something that would be in Proverbs. But he started it with do not be misled. Why? Because he knew that most of us at one point would be misled in regards to this. He's saying, don't be deceived. There's probably some of you sitting here right now, and you think, this is basic. This don't really apply to me. Yeah, I've got this friend and this friend in my life, but they're not that bad. I'm not really like them. I'm much more spiritually mature than they are. They're not influencing me. I'm better than that. The answer is, do not be misled. Don't be deceived. That bad company you're around will corrupt your good character. It's impossible to live the right life if you have the wrong relationships. So, as I was thinking about this, this brings us to a bit of a conundrum. What do we do? Avoid anybody that's not a follower of Christ? Well, the problem is the Bible says, the Bible calls Jesus a friend of sinners. Okay, so we need to be friends with sinners. But then the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay, well then we need to avoid them. But then the Bible says you're the light of the world. Okay. And then the Bible says don't associate with those who are easily angered. And then Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples. Hmm. Where's the balance? Kind of flips back and forth, it seems. So, should we avoid people that are potentially going to be a bad influence in our life? Or should we be a light that reaches out to those people? Yes. 
Yes to both. We have to be careful that the wrong influences, influences don't take us away from God's call. At the same time, we can't let our hearts grow cold toward the world that God has called us to reach. If you're a follower of Christ, here's the thing. If you're a follower of Christ, then that inner circle of friends that we talked about the first week, those three, five, seven people that are your closest relationships, they must be committed followers to Jesus. They have to be. From them, you're going to get strength and encouragement and correction and accountability and love. That's where you're going to find that. Your core group, when your core groups are very committed to Christ, then your spiritual roots grow deeper. Because remember we talked about iron sharpens iron? Your spiritual roots go deeper when those around you are closely committed to the Lord. And when your roots go deeper, then you're able to reach people that you couldn't have reached before. We'll talk about that a little further. When you're surrounded by the right people, and as I said, and your roots go deeper, you have more of a solid foundation. Then you can go into the dark world, and then your light will shine brightly. But when your core isn't the right people, when you have the wrong voices speaking into your life, your roots don't go deep enough. And what you'll find is you're going to get knocked down when temptations come. When those negative influences pop up. When you try to go into the world, you're going to get your spiritual rear end kicked. Because you don't have that foundation. Because you don't have the strength to be who God's called you to be. Our core relationships must be strong so that our roots go deep. So, the prime example in the Bible is Jesus. We know that Jesus loved everybody equally, right? We agree with that? He loved everybody equally, but he did not treat everyone equally in regard to relationship. He loved everybody equally, but he didn't treat them all the same. We know that he only recruited 12 disciples, right? Now, he had a lot of people following him. Can you imagine how many people there probably were that were coming along and they really wanted to be a part of that group of 12? They wanted to be one of those. But Jesus didn't pick 15. He didn't pick 20. He picked 12. And if you look at it, out of those 12, he spent the most time with three of them. More time than he did with the other nine. His relationships were clearly defined. He loved them all equally, but his relationships with them were not necessarily defined equally. So we see times in the Bible where Jesus was being pulled in different directions. His disciples needed him. Sick folks needed him. All these different people were pulling at him. But there were times, because his relation, the way his relationships were defined, that he would have to say, sorry, guys, i got to go spend time with my heavenly father. That was the number one relationship in his life. Sometimes, maybe for 40 days at a time. But he knew that his roots had to go deep so that he could effectively reach as many people as possible. We know that he loved everybody. 
He even loved the Pharisees, didn't he? I don't think he trusted the Pharisees. That relationship was defined differently. He loved them, but he didn't trust in them. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. You can't live the right life with the wrong friends. So, if you hadn't got this yet, if your friends, some friend in your life is constantly, I don't know, robbing banks, killing people for hire, cooking crystal meth, (laughs) you probably need to redefine that. For most of us, that is not the case. (laughs) For most of us, there are simply some influences close to us that need redefining. We can love these people equally, but not define the relationship the same. So, maybe you've got somebody, Clun, that's very critical criticizes everything and everyone. How many of you have somebody in your life like that? Come on. Guess what? If you're around them enough, you're going to become more and more critical, right? Maybe you got somebody in your life that's always stirring up drama with others. If you're around them long enough, you're going to be doing exactly the same thing. Maybe you've got somebody in your life that maybe even just through their example They're tempting you to do things that doesn't honor God. Need to redefine that relationship. Maybe you've got somebody in your life who's introducing you to values that are directly opposed to the values of God. Maybe you've got somebody in your life that's telling you things that are making you question certain things in the Word of God. It's happening a lot today, especially young people being influenced by what's happening in our social arena in our country today, and all of a sudden, they're hearing other people saying, and they're looking at the Bible and going, well, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe they're right. Maybe that's not what God meant there. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's just because it was the culture of that day. Maybe that's not really what God's Word means. You better redefine that relationship. We're to love everybody equally, but we don't have to treat everyone equally in regard to our relationship with them. You don't have to let everybody into your inner circle. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Sometimes we have to redefine our relationships. Maybe a better way of saying that is we need to redefine the boundaries of certain relationships. I'm going to give you two things, and you'll see this on your note sheet. I'm going to give you two things that you can never allow your friends to do. You ready for this? Number one, you can never allow a friend to distract you from God's plan. Can't allow it. If we look back at the Bible again, our example of Jesus, this is what we see with Jesus and Peter. Peter thought he was doing the right thing, but he tried to talk Jesus out of God's plan. And we, if y'all remember the moment, um, Jesus talking to his disciples, and he basically tells them, look, I'm going to have to die. God. No. No. He's, in one translation, he says, this will not happen. 
In the New Living Translation, it says that Peter reprimanded Jesus and said, God forbid. The Passion Translation says that Peter told Jesus, God forbid, Master, spare yourself. You must never let this happen. It was God's plan for him to die. He was sharing God's plan. And here's Peter, one of those three closest, who says, Master, never let this happen. God's plan for your life. How did Jesus re- reply? Y'all know this, Matthew 16, 23. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Peter. <laughs> Any of you ever called somebody Satan? Don't recommend it. He wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to the enemy. But get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. If you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. This is one of Jesus' closest friends. One of the closest in his inner circle. One of the three. And he basically looks at him and says, you are not going to distract me from God's plan for my life. So what does this look like in your life? Well, maybe, maybe every time you purpose to go to church... Maybe you've got a friend in your life who invites you to do something else. They say, what? You went last Sunday morning, and you're a part of that ministry school thing on Tuesdays, and you go to a community group on Thursday. Haven't you done enough? Come on. Come, and, come on. Come do this with me. Don't let anyone distract you from God's plan. Maybe you're trying to be less materialistic. And you want to be a giver. You want to give more to ministries and to people in need. But some of your closest friends are people who care only about money and stuff. They always got to have the latest and greatest. The more you're around them, the more you are going to find that you're holding on tightly to what you've got. And the more you care about money and stuff. Maybe your closest friends are all about their image. Or maybe your closest, some of your closest friends have made sporting events their God. Nothing wrong with sporting events. But how many of you have gone overboard with it before and allowed it to almost become a God in your life? It's all right. You don't have to raise your hand. You've got to recognize in those moments that you're going a different direction than they are. So you purposely redefine that relationship so that you won't allow them to distract you from God's plan. Don't let anyone talk you out of God's plan for your life. Man. I'll give y'all one more story. In um, 1996, Sean and I got, actually 95, we got engaged. Is that right? That's right. Trust me, she can't remember any better than me. <laughs> I'm not in trouble. Um, come 1996, we're engaged, and um, I graduated a year before she did, and I was working for Microsoft. And we knew that we had been called to ministry. We had met with a pastor and his wife, and we were planning to take this youth pastor job at a church in Illinois. And so here I am working the last few months there at Microsoft before um, 
before we would get married, and I was working there. I was working there during Windows 3.1. How many of y'all remember that? And uh, I was there during the launch of Windows 95. It, it, was, it was pretty cool. Remember the, remember the start button? Rolling Stones, start me up. Anyway, um, really cool. But um, I'd been through all this training with them and all these training classes and certifications and all this stuff that I'd gotten directly from Microsoft. It was really cool. And, man, I learned so much. It was really neat. And I'm about to walk away from all this to step into a ministry position with Shauna in a farming community in Illinois. And that was all right. I was good with that. But in that last month or two, um, a friend from my original training class showed up. We'd sat next to each other doing all these training classes at Microsoft. And this, this guy shows up. And uh, he knew the manager on duty. And he was able to get in and come in just to say hi to everybody and stuff. And what does he do but come and sit down in my cubicle? And he goes, hey, what's going on? Like, uh, he goes, okay, here's why I'm here. He said, you know, I left six months ago. He said, I got a job, and you're not going to believe this job. And he said, uh, he said, I'm working for a company, some of you remember, called Texas Instruments. And he said, Texas Instruments is wanting to convert their worldwide network to Windows NT, and they want Microsoft-trained employees to be a part of that. He said, so uh, he said they wanted me to come in and grab a couple people. He said, I can almost guarantee you the job. And then he told me the amount, and I was like, and he said, and you're going to be traveling nine months out of the year. Those of you who know me well know how much I love to travel. He said, we're starting in Asia. And uh, he said, going to be gone for three months, back for a month, gone for three months, back for a month, you know, and, and this kind of thing. All expenses paid. And I was like, holy Jesus. <laughs> Farming community in Illinois where we started at $19,000 combined. Or travel the world and make a boatload of money. Mm. That was a tough one. But we can't let anybody distract us from God's plan. And that's how the enemy works. Remember how last week I talked about how the enemy knows exactly how to tempt you? He knows how to tick you off. He knows how to get under your skin. He knows exactly what to do. He, he loves to jump in there and get in between you and, and, and others and, and, and try to disrupt relationships and everything else. We cannot allow others to distract us from God's plan. Number two, we cannot allow friends in our lives to tempt you to sin. Can't allow them to be a distraction. Can't allow them to tempt us to sin. Guys, we love them, but we can't allow them to drag us down. Great example one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the story of Joseph. We know that Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. That was a tough day. But we know that Joseph, everything he did, he did as unto the Lord. And so he was immensely blessed. Whether he was in Potiphar's home or whether he was sitting in a prison, he was blessed. And he was always promoted to the top. So he sold into slavery. He finds great favor with his new master, Potiphar. Unfortunately, he also found great favor of Potiphar's wife. Great favor. Great favor. We see that after a while, she takes a liking to him, and she puts some moves on him, right? And in Genesis 39, verse 12, it says, She came, grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on. How many, how many of you have had somebody in your life say, come on? Come on. Come on. 
Really? You really can't watch this with me? This isn't, it's not that bad. Really? You can't come and be a part of this with me? We can't do this? Really? Come on. She said, but she says, come on, sleep with me. It says, Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Now, there's something you'll notice here. Joseph didn't pause and take a moment to explain to Potiphar's wife that he was a follower of the Most High God. <laughs> he didn't have a little discussion about how great a sin this would be. He didn't try to talk her out of it. It says, he ran. He ran. He refused to stay around someone that was tempting him. There are times that you will have to redefine a relationship with somebody who is tempting you. And it may not be that blatant. It may just be by the influence that they are in your life. If your friends gossip all the time, you're going to have to tell them. If this is the way you're talking, I'm not going to be around much. One I've heard a bunch of times, ladies, if you're surrounded by friends at work or wherever that, are, that like to badmouth men all the time, they're all bad. You can't trust a man. I hate them all. I'll never trust them. Guess what? Your marriage isn't going to get better. It's going to put seeds of doubt in your head. And things are going to begin to change. You're going to have to come to a place where you say, look, we're going to speak well of the men in our lives. We're going to honor them. This is the way you're going to talk. i got to go. Guys, if the conversation with your friends always has sexual undertones, it's about the new hot girl or the latest conquest, you have to tell them. I have one woman in my life, and you're not going to distract me from her, or whatever it may be, but I can't allow this in my life. There's, in different seasons of your life, you have to redefine your relationships. Some of you became a follower of Jesus, and you had to redefine every relationship in your life. Any of y'all here? That you became a believer and you realized you could not have the same friends that you had before. You re recognized that things had to change. Some of you may have had to re redefine every relationship in your life. Because you recognized they were toxic to where God was taking you. Some of us may have been believers for years before we recognized that we weren't growing and going deeper in the Lord. And we recognized that our relationships were part of the hindrance in that. The way of the wicked leads you astray. The righteous choose their friends wisely. We've got to say, I will not allow you to distract me from God's plan or to tempt me. I love you. I care about you, but I'm not going down with you. Here's the flip side to this in closing. This is in your notes. We must always love people with the unconditional love of Christ. We must always love people with the unconditional love of Christ. I believe it's in your notes. Let me tell you, as we talk about this, when we talk about developing godly relationships and friendships, the importance of Christian community, here's the worst thing that could possibly happen as a result of this. The worst thing that can happen is that we become holier than thou. And that we think 
that we're better than everybody else and we treat the world like it. You might think, well, I, could, I, I, I would never do that. Guys, the church has been guilty of it since the beginning. It's one of the worst things that could happen. Why? Because we're on a mission. We're on a mission in this earth as followers of Jesus. If we weren't on a mission, the moment we received Christ, he would have taken us to glory. People say, well, my mission on earth is to worship the Lord. You're going to do that in heaven. You can do it in the earth too. But you're going to do that in heaven. Again, if that was your only mission, he would have taken you. The moment you said, Jesus, be Lord of my life, I repent. Be my master. You're on a mission. The reason we are here today is to be a shining beacon of hope to a world that is lost in darkness and to point them to Jesus. Jesus did not unfriend sinners. He befriended them. If there was anybody he unfriended, it was the religious hypocrites. It was the holier-than-thou crowd. He still loved them. Some Christians say things like, I hear them say things like, well, we can't associate with the world, brother. Show me that in the Bible. I, I live in the world. I don't know how you're going to go to work and not associate with, with people who aren't believers. I don't know how you're going to turn on the TV and not hear a curse word. I don't know how you're going to walk down the street and not hear lyrics that are profane to some song. We do live in the world. We don't take part in the things that the world does. But we know that Jesus went over to sinners' houses for dinner. He made time for them and loved them. It gets me too, Christians that flip out when they see a sinner sin. Why in the world do Christians expect sinners to act like Christians? Why do we judge people that aren't Christians for not acting like Christians? Why can't they just be more like Jesus? Why can't they be more moral and full of character and integrity? Because they didn't sign up for it. You did. They didn't sign up for that. And that's okay. God gives them the choice. I'd rather say they're not yet signed up for it. Their day is coming. We have to let our love for the Lord go deeper so that we can love others more deeply. And we have to love unconditionally those who are far from the Lord. We've got to love them right where they're at. Doesn't mean that we accept what they do. But we love them. We love them with grace and with truth. We love them unconditionally. We allow them to see the heart of God through us. And you know what's really cool? Some of you have seen this before. When somebody sees you living that godly example and they don't understand, they're saying, come on, really? You just do everything right, don't you? Goody two-shoes. You're just a big boy scout. Jesus freak. I think you're taking this God thing a little too far. But along comes the day when they're going through a rough patch. And they're looking for somebody with stability in their life to talk to. And all of a sudden, that person says, can I talk to you for a minute? 
Some of you have seen that in your life, and some of you have seen that person repent of their sin and become a follower of Jesus. It's worth it. It's worth it. We are called to go into all the world, all the world, but not let the world disrupt God's plan for our life. We have to protect that. For example, maybe you're getting over an addiction. Many of us, we've had addictions and things, strongholds in our lives. Maybe you're getting over an addiction and you've laid it before the Lord. Guess what? There's a good chance you're going to need to redefine some relationships in your life as part of that. For example, somebody who was previously an alcoholic don't need to be going hanging out in the bars with the guys like they used to. Well, I'm just going to drink Coke. We'll see how long that lasts. Right? Got to redefine some of those relationships. Got to take a look at things. There may be friends of your life that you have to tell, look, I love you. I have, but I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I love you so much, but I just can't do the things I used to anymore. If I hang around you, and I'm going to continue on down that wrong path that I'm trying to avoid. And if I can overcome this, maybe I can help you overcome it as well. But I'm not better than you. But this is what I have to do. This is what God is calling me to. It may go well, it may not. But it's what you got to do in your life. And as we show that unconditional love, when we do it, we will fulfill Jesus' command from John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you are also to love one another. And get this, verse 35, y'all know this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How will people know that you're a disciple of Jesus? How? By your love for one another. Recognizing here, it doesn't say they will know that you're my disciples because you go to church on a regular basis. It's important. Go to church. Be connected to the community. But that's not what's going to win the world. It doesn't say you'll know my disciples if you study and have vast amounts of biblical knowledge, it's a good thing. Study the Word. I know some people who are brand new believers who win more people to the Lord than people who have been believers for 25, 30 years. People will know, the world will know that you are a follower of Jesus if you love those around you, if you love others. So to wrap up in closing, let's all stand together. Let me get the worship team to come up. Listen to me for just a moment, though. As we wrap this up, we've talked about the importance of relationship. We've talked about friendships. We've talked about community. We've talked about how, as the righteous, we choose our friends wisely. A few things we got to do. Number one. Guys, the Lord has got to remain the priority of our lives. Nothing can trump that. 
We are to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. If you've got that down, everything else starts coming into line. We've got to remember, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Those closest around you, they are going to define your life. Walk with the wise, become wise, remembering that a companion of fools suffers harm. Remember that you can't live the right life if you have the wrong friends. So, we make the decision to surround ourselves with the right core of people so that iron can sharpen iron, so that our roots can go deeper, and so that our love can grow deeper. Then, we can be the light of the world, and all people can know that you're a follower of Jesus because of your love for them. Amen? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. I want to do two things before we dismiss. Firstly, as I said, Jesus had his 12, and then he had three that were closer, but he had the one that he was closest to, and that was his heavenly Father. As all this is pointless if you don't know the Lord. If you're not part of the family of God, that's step number one in your life. And it is the most important decision you will make from the moment you're born to the day that you die. The most important decision you'll make is to repent of your sin and surrender your life to Jesus. He will become the best friend that you ever have. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be there to point and guide the way. He'll walk with you through the good times, through the dark times. He'll always be there. He'll be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never abandon you. If that's you with everything's right to say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to make things right today. Lift your hand and let me see. Who would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today? I need the Lord Jesus. I need that to be the most important relationship in my life. Anybody here this morning? Lift your hand high. All right, well, we're still going to pray together. And you may be watching live. You may, be, you may be watching six months from now. I don't know. Doesn't make any difference. This transcends time. The Bible says if you pray this and you mean it with all your heart, that all things become new. The old passes away. You find yourself grafted into a new family. You find yourself a child of the Most High God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you're the one who made a way that I could have relationship with my Heavenly Father. You went to the cross and you did it willingly, laid down your life. You took my sin and shame. You took the judgment I deserved. You took it upon yourself and you took it to the grave. And so today, I repent of my sin. I repent of living my life the way I thought was best. And I choose to follow you. 
I call you, Jesus, my sacrificial lamb. I accept your sacrifice as my own. I call you Lord of my life. I make you my master and I will follow you to the end. Live through me, touch through me, speak through me, touch the world through me. I'm your willing vessel from this day forward. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to be everything that you've called me to be. Lord, I give you my life. I surrender everything, my desires, my dreams. I'll lay them at your feet. And I say, Lord, have your way in me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for everyone that prayed that prayer this morning. Whether they're here, whether they're watching online, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that even right now, that they would sense your presence and your love and your embrace in their life. I pray, God, that you would surround them by godly influences of you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And that I thank you for that. If you did pray that prayer and you're here, I want you to come see me for just a moment as we dismiss in a few minutes so that I can talk to you for just a moment. But I want to do one more thing. Again, I'll just kind of bow your heads and just kind of meditate on the Lord for a minute. Examine your relationship with Him. Some of you may be here and you recognize that there's some influence in, influences in your life. There's some relationships in your life that absolutely need to be redefined. That are holding you back you recognize that you've got that attitude that you see in the people around you it's not a good thing you may be trying to you may even right now be trying to justify and say well this this isn't really for me I ask you right now be open to the fact that the Lord may be speaking to you Holy Spirit may be right now revealing some things to your heart and saying, that's you. I need you to deal with this. Guys, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. It doesn't matter how hard you draw, try to draw close to the Lord if the circle of people around you don't honor God with their life. It will corrupt you. For some of you, you're not going to go to the next level with the Lord until you do something with this, until you make some decisions. If that's you and you recognize that there's some influences in your life that you need to redefine, just lift your hand. Come on, I know there's more. Come on, guys. Come on. How many? Still going up. Come on. Who else? How many of you would recognize there's some influences in your life that you need to deal with, you need to change? It's good. Let me get our prayer parts to come down to the sides. I want 
We're going to worship for just one, um, just a moment. Keep your head, keep your heads bowed for just a second. If that's you and you lifted your hand, I want you, in your love for the Lord, I want you to boldly step out and I want you to come down to the side to one of these prayer partners. Come on, guys, I saw you. You lifted your hand and you said, you know, you need to redefine some relationships in your life. Step out. Come on. Come down to these prayer partners. Prayer partners, I want you to begin to believe with these for godly relationships in their lives that will point them in the right direction, that will strengthen them in the Lord, that will speak the truth in love. And I want you to pray with them because it's difficult sometimes to have to redefine a relationship. See, I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit gives them the right words in the right moments. Gives them the right direction to be able to deal with this effectively. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You